Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode. I am your host, Liz, and this is my podcast, Coffee and Combos, where I talk about politics, wellness, and activism with friends, leaders in the community, and just other great conversationalists. And happy Women's History Month. Uh, the theme for this year, according to Google, is women providing healing and promoting hope. And I could not be more excited to have my guest here today, Amy Green-Smith, to talk about um, healing women, women empowerment, because for those of you who do not know her yet, she is a life coach, writer, podcast, podcaster, <laughs> speaker, and personal empowerment expert. So Amy, welcome. Liz, I'm so excited to be here. I don't know if you can see, but I'm wearing my Love hope it. necklace, which I feel is apropos for for this Women's History Fantastic. Month. Fantastic. I am so excited. But I don't want to jump into it yet. I'm going to slow it down. And I'm going to ask you my coffee and combo question, which is, are you a coffee or a tea person? Like, what is your perfect cup? Oh, wow. For decades and decades and decades, yeah. I would have said coffee. And it, this is one of my major beefs that I have with Western medicine is it wasn't until I got involved with hypnosis and started training in some additional mm -hmm. healing arts that they were like, oh, caffeine mimics anxiety. So if you have extreme anxiety, you might want to knock it off with the coffee. And it dramatically changed my life. And this was, this was fairly recently, probably in 2018, I quit drinking caffeine. So now by virtue of that, I, I'm a, a tea gal, but uh, my favorite is peppermint or uh, it really any yeah. type of mint is my that's my go-to, but I will have coffee here and there because I, I do love Ooh, it and I miss it. So let it. me ask. So like peppermint, it's kind of got this spice, but it's also kind of like healing and nurturing. Would you say that's like your personality? I would say it's uh, it's soothing, but also has Ooh, a bit of a bite. I like it. <laughs> with a bite. That's, that is definitely my personality. <laughs> I love that. I want like a t-shirt that says soothing, but with a bite. I feel like that's very iconic. Love it. If you've ever seen those, those memes that are like, I'm whiskey in a teacup. That's, that's, that's how I identify. I love it. I love it. I love it. Amy, please tell me and the listeners, because you do so much in regards to like healing. And like I said, you are a personal empowerment expert. So tell us a little bit more about like all the wonderful things you do. Like, how did you get started? Well, I think for a lot of people who have kind of joined the mm -hmm. expert space, they have some of their own tumultuous scenarios that they've kind of worked through on their own and then have now worked into a place where they can kind of share that with other folks. And, and my story is very much the same. I so for a bit of context and sort of how I landed in the world of, mm -hmm. of personal development, I grew up in an extremely conservative, uh, evangelical, born again family, Christian family. My dad had a master's in divinity and a doctorate in ministry, so he was not fucking around, as <laughs> it as it uh, were. And you know, it, uh, for another bit of context too. My, I have two younger brothers and they both 
did jail time and had trouble with the law and didn't go to school and had a difficult time working and staying employed and and all sorts of things like that. And I started working when I was 14 and I got married really young and moved out of the house, was very self-sufficient, put myself through college. And everything kind of came to a head for me around 07 when my father passed away. And prior to that, I had always kind of told my husband whenever we would go visit my family, I would preface like, please shapeshift. I need you to not cuss and no drinking, no smoking, no liberal agenda, no John Stewart, no South Park, like all the things that we were yeah. a part of that were, you know, really meaningful to us. We would put up this facade and kind of paint this picture to be who I knew they really mm. wanted me to be. And I wasn't that person at all. And so it came to a head. It was the day of my father's service. And I had a background in makeup artistry. So I knew that I for sure wanted to mm-hmm. do the makeup for his viewing. I felt like it was kind of a dick move for me to be like, dad, go get go get your own makeup artist when I fully yeah. had that skill set. So I felt very convicted to do that. And then I also spoke to the crowd of like hundreds of folks who were there that day. And so I felt like I was winning at daughter, yeah. you know, like this is, this is winning at daughter day. I just did dead dad makeup. Come on. So we get back home to my mom's house and she finds it the most opportune time to say, it just feels as though your father and I have failed as oh. parents because all three of you, like grouping me in with my siblings, are not, you know, walking with the Lord, not following the faith that, that they had raised us with. And the really the only thing that I could kind of mm-hmm. muster in that moment was to say, you probably shouldn't say that to a child. And she, well, that's just, that's just how I feel. And that was the moment where I realized, okay, you are at this precipice where you get to decide I either continue to shapeshift and twist and contort so that I can make Mm. her happy or I choose me. And, and I really don't think that people pleasing or speaking up for yourself is always an Mm -hmm. ultimatum like that at all. But that was such a crystal clear message for me that if push does come to shove and I have to decide between making you happy and making me happy, I'm going to choose mm. me. And and that doesn't go over well with folks who like the people-pleasing mm-hmm. version of you. So, you know, the the trajectory then was I became – it was like the floodgates had opened and I just became incredibly combative and adversarial and I wanted to talk about – all of our political differences and, you know, religious, you know, I, I kind of wanted to stick right, it to right. my mom. And that was really coming from a place of malice and pain. And, and I wasn't healed around it. And it wasn't until many, many conversations where I had to clean up a, a mess that I realized, oh, shit, you can actually have really polarizing conversations And still embody grace and kindness. You don't have to be a dick to speak up for yourself. And that really informed the work that I do in the world. So as a coach and as a speaker and 
a podcaster and, you know, hypnotherapist, all the things that I do, all of that is kind of geared towards these two elements, the internal Mm -hmm. component of genuinely believing that my voice Mm -hmm. matters, that I am enough, that I am worthy, like that real intrinsic self-worth paired with this external component of if I do believe that I'm worthy, how do I then communicate with the mm-hmm. outside world? What do tough conversations look like? Boundaries, saying no, reckoning with people pleasing, those sorts of things. So, uh, and I'll tell you what, having that as the niche and the focus in my business keeps me honest. Listen, <laughs> as you're talking, I'm just like, who, right? Because I, I had just mentioned, you mentioned about being uh, worthy and um kind of using that as that push to show up authentically for yourself and to advocate for yourself. And I had literally just had this conversation within the week of I was struggling, right, as far as feeling worthy to pursue a passion of mine or something that had been on my heart to do. Of Like, oh, do I feel worthy to do that? Because if I do, that means I have to kind of stop people pleasing on this end and say no to some things. And like, how will that affect other people and all of that? And, you know, it is, you know, so you're kind of keeping me honest here and having me pay, feel accountable of like, it's okay to um, put you first and, and to part of healing is knowing that you are worthy. And that means sometimes saying no to things that might not be terrible, but they're just not in your heart or your passion at that moment. That's right. And, you know, I think I would be remiss if I didn't mention sort of the global meta perspective of enoughness and worthiness as it relates to activism and liberation theory. So obviously we deal with this on a micro level where it's like, okay, this business partner or this job or this person I'm dating, do they like me? Do my parents like me? But then we also have this much bigger perspective around systems Mm -hmm. of oppression. And no matter what we're talking about, whether we're talking about race, gender identity, um, income level, ageism, able-bodied versus disabled, all of those systems of oppression are able to keep the oppressed party mm-hmm. oppressed if they believe they're not mm. enough. Yes. So I feel like, you know, on a bigger scale, the revolution depends on us believing that we are fucking enough, that we are worthy. And I say that as, you know, like a queer white woman, but, you know, no matter what marginalized identities or intersections thereof you have, one of the fiercest things you can do is to say, I value myself. Come on, Amy, say that. Okay. Give me one. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. So, yeah. Absolutely. Because, when you realize that you are worthy, that you have value, I mean, you start spending your time and yourself differently, right? Like when you place this value of my time is is valuable, my happiness, it is harder to say yes to the things that aren't feeding you. And I mean that in a positive way. And I think so many times, especially like with women, it's like, you have to be submissive. You have to say the thing. You have to care. You have to take care of the kids and do the house and do the things and do it gracefully and not say that you need help or that you're tired. You have to do it all. 
And I say, no, you do not have to do it all. <laughs> you, have, you have a right to say, hey, I need help and I need me to have some space. That's right. And I mean, we could certainly go down a rabbit hole of where all of that comes from. There's a lot of religious mm-hmm. influence, et cetera. But, but that's a fucking patriarchy. Mm-hmm. That's this idea that like whiteness, maleness, uh, cisgenderedness, all of that heterosexuality, all of that is like the governing body. And so if, if we kick back on that, you know, and obviously I can only speak as a woman, but I, if we push back on it, then it's like, wait, what? You're disrupting the societal norms. And, but you know, my, my partner and I have, we have had, our finances separate for almost 25 years. We have separate sides of the fridge. We have separate sides of uh, the pantry. We do our own groceries. We do our own shopping. Like everything is totally egalitarian in that way because who the fuck wants to do all that anyway? Like if, if a dude out there is like, I don't want to do that. Why the fuck would I want to (laughs) say that? Because society's, because society says no get the fuck out like that's you're we're gonna need a way better reasons for that and especially because i i feel like most of that has its it has its history in religion and dogma which i quite obviously don't subscribe to so um yeah, I think it's tricky. There's a lot of layers. There's a lot of layers. There is. And in thinking about those layers, right? So like, again, Women's History Month is this month. The theme is providing healing and promoting hope. I mean, for someone that's listening and they're just like, oh my God, I'm like revved up and I feel the fire, but I'm afraid or I don't know how to chase after or what to do with this fire, I feel. How, how should they seek after healing and hope? What would you say to them? Well, I think that, you know, I've heard you talk about this a few times Mm -hmm. on your show, how we get so wrapped up in, and even this conversation that we're having, we get so wrapped up in this idea that if everybody else is taken care of and everybody else is happy, then maybe I can be Mm -hmm. happy. But the problem with that is that is continuing to change and move. And then it's always elusive and we're chasing after like, oh, well, I got to make sure my mom's happy or my my siblings or my family or whoever. It's almost always family. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But I think if it, one of my favorite tools, one of my favorite sort of entry point tools around this whole concept of speaking up and how that can create healing is to take an inventory of the situations in your life where you chronically complain Mm. about a specific individual. Now I'm not talking about just venting or like releasing the pressure valve or anything like that. I'm talking about every time you come home, your partner gets an earful about how much your boss sucks every time, or you're so frustrated with your mom and it's your sister who gets the earful because chances are you're speaking up. You're just not speaking up to the right person. Mm. So a lot of times we're going, what, where do I start? Well, that's one of the places is to examine where have I unknowingly locked myself into victimhood where I'm, I'm 
complaining and complaining like, gosh, if my boss was only different or if, you know, my mom only would do this one thing, then I could be happy. Well, if you are locked into that place, you're basically saying there's no way for me to be happy unless this individual magically changes. And that's a shit ton of power to get away. So in those situations, I think if we can just start noticing like, oh, I've been complaining about this person, this boss or whoever, and I have not broached that conversation. I like to operate from the mantra of I need to give the people in my life at least the opportunity to be what I need. Mm -hmm. So if you have not spoken up and expressed exactly what you need in a kind and thoughtful manner, there's a strong chance they have no clue. They haven't even thought of it. They might even think you like that you're what you're doing. Yes. So who are those people in your life that that you chronically complain about and have not taken any action on? And then what is it that they need to hear? Like, what is it that you have not expressed that could possibly get your needs met if you were actually able to articulate that conversation? So that's that's a place to kind of start, because I think oftentimes when we're looking at our own personal healing we just think, ah, if only that person was different. And we we ultimately don't have control over that. Mm-hmm. We have to really do that inside work, uh-huh. which is so much harder. It is. Wouldn't it be nice to just, just click, click, they change. But I, I love how you said, you know, start about thinking about what are the things that you consistently complain about or where you feel that sense of like anxiety or oppression because that's the area where your body is giving you these signals of like hey I need you to attend to this and you know it's so much that you are reclaiming your power when you address those areas and not say like well okay when they change no like what is it that you need to say so that you are able to heal from that or what you're able to manage that situation and and I love that that reframe of how to reclaim your power the one the one thing I will add mm-hmm. in addition to that around just this concept mm-hmm. of people pleasing or, or being so invested in the opinions of other folks, mm-hmm. it's, you know, people pleasing is rooted in a primitive defense mechanism. And it's one of those behavioral tactics that we do m- most of the time to stay safe. Mm-hmm. It's usually something that we adopted early on and learned Ooh, to be accepted in this community or to fly under the radar or to deal with an abusive parent or caretaker. I need to acquiesce. I need to placate, right? So recognizing that people pleasing is not always a bad thing, you know, for as an example, if I am, you know, a queer woman and I am amongst a bunch of folks who are clearly anti-LGBTQ. Like, I don't know where I would be, but let's say I happen to stumble into this really hateful group. That's probably not the time for me to get up on my soapbox and go off about gender equality and queer rights and trans rights. And that's probably not the time because my physicality is quite literally in danger. Mm -hmm. So I don't, I always want to be careful about demonizing anything in personal development to say like people pleasing is always wrong because it's not. Sometimes it's genuinely what's going to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. 
But far more often than not, we are people pleasing in situations where we're actually not in danger. Mm. It's when we're just worried about what that other person might think of us if we rock the boat. I mean, if you think about it, we have all of these idioms in our in our language that are designed to tell us to shut the fuck up. Like, don't rock the boat. Right. Don't open up a can of worms. Sweep it under the rug. The all these idioms are like... Don't speak up. Don't say anything. And that's disproportionate for women and even more so for for those who are um, in another marginalized identity. Mm, So many wonderful points. And um, I didn't kind of think of and talking about healing and empowerment and speaking up that, you know, it would tie into activism, but it really does. You know, and there's so many things that reinforce like stay quiet, like, oh, don't don't advocate for this. Don't do that, whether it's for yourself or someone else. And I, I love that notion of is Am I not speaking up because of a safety concern or a worry concern? Because those are two yes. very different things and you have control, different controls in different spaces. So I, I like that framework. That's absolutely true. Yeah, I um, I think it's complicated, but I also think that, you know, if we're honest, a lot of, I'm sure this is not surprise to you at all, but a lot of personal development is, has been whitewashed. It's been through the lens of the white experience. And so that doesn't cater to a lot of other folks out there. And, um, there's that great book with, uh, Brene Brown and, um, Oh my gosh, it was just right on the tip of my tongue. Toronto Burke, where they did sort of that compilation of various uh, Black folks and their experience. And they were talking specifically about how Brene's concept of vulnerability didn't work for them because that meant danger, right? So I think there's, there's a lot of concepts that we specifically in the personal development world that it largely by white men, you know, where you kind of have to go, okay, wait a minute. Where can we start expanding that concept mm-hmm. so that it applies to a lot of li- everyone's lived experience mm-hmm. and looking at it through different lenses. I think there's a responsibility for us um, to make sure that we're continuing to look in that direction. Absolutely. Absolutely. And kind of thinking about, um, the work that you do, again, if there's someone listening and they're just like, oh my gosh, like this is the word I needed to hear. I mean, how do people connect with you? What is your typical clientele when you're working as like a life coach? That's a great question. So uh, I tend to, I, I tend to actually attract a lot of women or those who identify as women who have um, a lot of anxiety in their background. I think that's largely because that's what I struggle with. I also tend to attract a lot of folks with religious trauma that they're kind of surviving from. So I think you kind of attract the things that you know. And, um, but I am focusing now a lot more on speaking and speaking to organizations that specifically need help in this arena of how do we broach tough conversations and do it in a really effective way with lots of different personality types and things like that. So women's associations or uh, women's conferences, things like that, who, who need a speaker in that avenue. In my personal work, it really is, it's, it spans all over the place, but 
I find that there are a lot of women who get to this place in their life. Sometimes it's in their 20s. Most of the time it's 30s, 40s, and 50s where they realize that that behavioral pattern of people pleasing, of putting everyone else first, or perfectionism, which is another investment in what other people think. Like I have to be flawless in order for my worth to be substantiated. Those two behavioral patterns, perfectionism and people-pleasing, people get fucking sick of it. Mm-hmm. You know, you get to this this threshold where you go, okay, this is stealing more of my joy than it is helping me or providing mm-hmm. respite. And something needs to shift. Something needs to change. And and that is, by by and large, who I end up working with intimately. I love that. I love that. And I, I love... Um... The, the thought of is the stealing more of my joy. And, and that is a true fact of, you know, and, and like assessing that. And it, it's, oh, again, I love to remind people, it's okay to change the things that are stealing your joy. You have a right to your own healing, your own happiness, your own well-being. And like, it's okay. And I like to remind people like, it's okay. You, you know, mind you, you don't need permission, but if you are waiting for that permission, like it's okay for you to seek after your healing in your own um, well-being. Yeah, it is. And and it's imperative that you do so, right? Mm. Like there's so many things that I think because we have a patriarchal environment, because we have a highly capitalist society, that there are things like just resting, just <laughs> listening to your internal compass. We're we we get that bread out of us. Don't listen to your intuition. It can't be trusted. It's all logic, reason, and it's don't rest because you need to produce, produce, produce. We need to be productive. We and that's capitalism. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of I think fierceness and um, liberation that can happen by just saying I'm not going to feel guilty for resting. I'm not going to feel guilty. I'm not going to absorb that guilt for establishing a boundary, for Mm -hmm. saying, hey, that doesn't work for me. And I also don't have to be a dick about it. Mm -hmm. I can be very assertive and graceful and kind and just say, thank you so much for for inviting me. Unfortunately, that's not going to work for me, but um, I I wish you well, you know? Absolutely. There's so many ways to to be graceful and, um, and still be assertive about what you need. Absolutely. Can you give us one tool of how can you be assertive yet graceful for those who are just like, please, Amy, tell me I need one tool that I can use this week? Yes. Okay. So, gosh, I have so many. The first (laughs) would be in the face of... I'm trying to think, okay, if if somebody asks something of you and they're coming at you almost with a sense of urgency, like, hey, can you take care of this thing for me? Or can you watch my kid? Or can you handle this project at work? And it's enveloped in this sense of emergency, like, mm-hmm. and that's theirs. That's not actually yours. It's not an emergency for you. But again, if you have those notions of, I need to take care, I need to fix, I need to make sure everyone's okay, that you you tend to adopt that sense of urgency. So the first thing, anytime anybody asks you for anything, ask them, how soon do you need an answer? Mm. And just delay feeling like you have to say yes right away. Right. Um, And you can also say something like, 
if they're like, gosh, I really need to know right now, I would say, you know what? I would hate to have to pull out last minute. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to politely decline. I really hope that you can understand. Or if you are able to get back, take some time, even run to the bathroom, do anything to just not say yes right away, breathe and then say, thank you. Always gratitude, starting with gratitude. Thanks for thinking of me. Or um, I would really have loved to come through for you. I'll be really honest. I am, I am at capacity. I don't think I can take on one more thing. I appreciate your faith in me, but I'm going to have to decline. I do so hope you can understand. So vulnerability is another skill of just genuinely saying, I would love to, it, only if that's true. Um, and and just being honest about not having the capacity. That's a really vulnerable statement to say, mm-hmm. I, I honestly cannot add on one more thing. I might lose my ever-loving mind. Um, But that's a vulnerable statement instead of going, pretending like, oh, yeah, I can do everything. I can juggle everything. And then crashing and burning because you get burnt out or then you take it out on your partner or your kids or whoever. So um, so that's one that I would say is is to buy yourself some time before you you automatically sign up for something or say yes to something. Amy, you were helping me get my whole life together all in these like, 30 minutes. Like, oh my goodness, just read me, girl. <laughs> you know, I, I'll i say too, if you do say yes and you are kicking yourself for that, as soon as you can, circle back and say, you mm-hmm. know what? I think I may have jumped the gun a little bit. I may have preemptively said yes. And the last thing I want to do is have to cancel on you last minute but I wanted to let you know right now, I think I need to take my name out of that, out of that hat, you know, something like that, or come up with another solution. But I think there's many times that we think because I've said this one thing or because somebody said something offensive and I, I have never said anything in the past that now I can't ever. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. You, you just address that exact thing. Hey, I should have mm-hmm. said this a long time ago. I'll be honest. When you say blah, 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 that's really, really hurtful. And I would mm-hmm. appreciate if you didn't say that in my company. So all is not lost if you haven't spoken up until now or if you have to circle back. Like almost everything is repairable in that way. Absolutely. I love that. Everything is repairable. 100%. And Amy, are all these tools and more in your work- workbook, speak up for yourself without being a dick. <laughs> yes, there there's a free workbook on my site that has nine different challenges that are designed to kind of get you in action around some of these things. But I've also been doing my own podcast for almost, uh, yeah, just about nine years to this month. Uh, so there are tons and tons of tools over there. I like I like very quantifiable, actionable steps mm-hmm. you can take. So yeah, and there's some free hypnosis tracks and all sorts of goodies. So if you go over to amygreensmith.com, you can find all of that over there. And green is spelled just like the color. So there's there's not an A. Um, Absolutely. And um, again, listeners, that's amygreensmith.com for her website and all these wonderful tools. And I will also post the link in the um, episode bio as well as any um, relevant socials and things like that. Um, Amy, before I ask you my last question, any last words you want to leave the listeners with anyone listening and they're on the edge of their seat about to click over to your website? Yeah, I think I would first say 
be gentle with your journey. You know, Uh, a lot of the things that now are commonplace for me and I'm able to articulate and say are well over like 15 years of practice. So the things that I'm able to impart now sound, sound really easy, but it really is about rehearsing. And so I will oftentimes give my clients and students like we'll, we'll develop a script and then I'll have them rehearse it in front of their mirror, you know, because if, if you've ingrained and have these deep neural pathways that resonate with mm-hmm. people pleasing your whole life, switching that, your whole body goes, I'm not safe. I'm not safe. Wait, wait, abort mission. We're not allowed. So if there's one thing you took away from today, take one small baby step towards that. Don't feel like you have to, you know, reinvent the will or build Rome in a day or whatever idiom you want to use. Um, just know that just taking one step forward is is an avenue towards change and you are deserving of it. You are worthy of it. Absolutely. And and I love how you said that it's practice because I think so, we can be so conditioned of like, well, I was just born a people pleaser or I'm just meek or I'm just, when we label these th- reasons or that person's just so bold, I can never be like that. That person's just outspoken. No, you can do this. Mm-hmm. You can do this. You can do this. Um, if you don't believe, you've got two people here, <laughs> me and Amy, that believe that you can do it. Um, again, listeners, the information will be on your episode uh, in the episode bio if you need it. Amy, thank you for, for being a guest and being on the show. And I have one last question for you. Okay. And it's called What's in Your Cup? And this is where I ask my listeners, as well as my guests, what three things do you need to add to your cup? That's your emotional cup of that will get you through this day or this week. And while you think of yours, I'll give you mine. Okay. So for this week, let's see, what do I need in my cup? You know what I need? I, I think boundary setting or practicing boundary setting. I think I've been doing pretty good, but you know what? this is a good reminder of like really just setting those clear boundaries of like, what do I want? What do I need? And and how do I get that? Whether that's asking for more of something less. So boundary setting, I think I need what else? I really want to do some like writing, um, more than like five minutes. I want to get some good writing time in this week. And I want like some good comforting food, just some yumminess. So kind of, I think I'm going with the practical cup this week. So some yummy food, some boundaries and some writing. I love it. I love it. (laughs) What about Amy? Okay. So my trifecta cup is going to be, well, the first thing that I know I need is uh, some systems. This is boring, but systems in my business. So certain things related to my speaking stuff that I need just to iron out so that it feels fluid Mm -hmm. and running and kind of on autopilot. The next thing that I need is connection. Mm. Connection with my partner, connection with my dogs, connection with my clients. Like just, I'm really in that place of I'm starting to feel the world open up a little bit again. And I know you're introverted like me too. I like to say I'm an extrovert or a, um, an outgoing introvert, but I, I mean, I still want to see some people, you know, <laughs> but I just want to protect that time that I need to recharge. That's right. That's exactly right. But I'm, I'm getting really excited for getting 
plants for the season, you oh, know, spring love. season and, and going to music festivals and those sorts of things. So I'm really craving that connection. And then also just some physical movement. You know, I took an amazing pole dancing class yesterday that was lighting my spirit on fire. Um, I was better than I thought because I was like, okay, these these gals are like half my age. I don't know if I'm going to get back up once I go down. <laughs> I won't say who because I'm sure she will strangle me if I say, but someone I know really wants to do um, pole dancing. They are an older person, but like that's like their goal in life. Did you love it? I loved it. I loved it. And I w- it was way better and easier than I thought. Like I, I seriously thought, Liz, I was going to hold the pole and just walk around like... <laughs> Um, but I surprised myself. I was like, okay, Gen X, get it. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, so more movement, even just walking. I love the, the season changing and and enjoying all the flowers coming on the trees and, um, or some good kickboxing. Yeah. Depends what happens politically. If I do something more Zen or if I go to the, do the kickbox. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I love your cup. It is so fun and whimsy. And I hope you are able to fill your cup with all of that this week, um, Amy. Thank you. Um, Don't thank you. And thank you for coming on. And please do not be a stranger to coffee and combos. Be well and have a wonderful day. All right. Thanks, Liz. See you later.